Hello and welcome to Edition VFO's 24th podcast. My name is Valerie Hashimoto and today I am visiting the artist Noah Mokhtar at her studio in Zurich. Noah Mokhtar produced a new series of 12 photograms for our exhibition on thresholds and boundaries. The images show the outlines of an ornamental balcony railing on an ultramarine blue background. During the exposure, the artist held the railing at different angles over the photographic paper. This movement is visible when one looks at the works next to each other. The photograms are however conceived to also function individually as minimalist I find very poetic compositions. Thank you, Noah, for having me in your studio and for taking the time to answer my questions. Noah, your edition is based on a former body of work, the Balacona series from 2018. To start with, can you tell us more about the Balacona? Thank you, Valérie, for uh, inviting me to your podcast. The Balacona series is a work that I did in 2018, and it was thought as an installation um, that was composed of not only the work Balacona, but also a photograph and a book. And it basically consisted of four wall sculptures made of metal that I welded, And the, each sculpture is a fragment, a replica, of my aunt's balconies in Egypt, in Cairo. And to be more specific, in a neighborhood that is called Medinet Nasr, uh, which is a sort of middle-class neighborhood. And I have four, I have more aunts, but I've, I concentrated on four of them, Saadeya, Awatif, Noura, and Magda. And the photograph that was shown with the balustrade was a photograph of my hands with uh, clothespins on each finger, as if they were long fingernails, colorful ones. And the book that I presented with the balustrades and the photograph was a collection of eight short dialogues that were partly dialogues that I wrote, fictional dialogues, but also uh, dialogues that were based on interviews that I made with people in, in Egypt uh, talking on balconies or about balconies. So, for example, about a mother and her neighbor or about or between uh, two lovers uh, across the street or a resident and the doorman who's standing below the balcony. And so for me, this work or this installation worked as a fragmented theater piece a little bit. The balustrades on the wall were like props for a piece that could take place. And that was in response to the image and to the book. The book is called Scenes for Balconies. And so for me, the book uh, was a way to activate the installation in a way. So you could take the book, read in it and be in, in the space with those elements. I was interested in the, the architectural and the social space of the balcony and also the gendered space of the balcony. So I'm half Egyptian, half Swiss. Um, and I spent almost every summer of my childhood at Tante Saadeya, 
the apartment, so my, my aunt's uh, apartment, and um, a little bit bored. And so I would spend a lot of time on that balcony just watching neighbors, watching the, the dogs running around, watching other kids, and listening to, you know, the, the rago and the rumors about who's doing what, etc. So it was a sort of like live theater for me, much more interesting than watching TV at the time. I can remember that place and the moments I spent in that place through the images sort of that I have of that place. And they're very um, precise images in a way. And the balustrade itself of the balcony for me was um, one element of, of these memories. And sort of I had, so I was shorter and I had this, the, maybe the, the balustrade was on, at my eyes level so I could sort of watch the street and the other people without, and I believed at that time, without being uh, seen. And so for me, the, the, sh the very shape of that, of that balustrade works as a sort of binocular, as an element that allows me to, to look at the world that is happening in front of me. Your installation with the balustrade, the photograph and the sort of script book was a very multi-layered installation and now for your edition you had to find a way to translate this work onto paper. How did you proceed and why did you finally choose the medium of photogram? So I mean, as you know it was a longer process, quite a long process actually. So for me it has something to do with, with time and space and how you're marked by the environment in which you are situated in a way. And so Cairo is a very uh, chaotic city. There's a lot of dust, There's, it's very hot, it's uh, hectic, it takes a lot from you, it, like, it takes a lot of energy. It gives you a lot of energy, but it also asks you to give. And I mean, like, even in, inside of the apartment, no? like every day you have to, to dust off I mean, you have to clean things quite often. You have to, there's a certain work of, of maintenance or care that has to be done. But I found this interesting in a way that things and objects, but also people leave traces very visibly. So if you forget your glass or your cup of coffee, uh, you will see it the next day because there's dust around it. So the house, things leave traces was for me a way to to think about this question of time and memory in a way my aunt would say like avoid try to avoid being in the sun like come inside and you know you try to to make it dark inside so the apartment doesn't get too hot and so it's not good for the skin, etc. But, you know, as a child, then you, I don't know, you don't listen and coming from Switzerland, you're happy to have the sun a little bit more than here. And so um, I would look at how the shadow of the balustrades gradually shifts as the sun moves. So there's the dust and there's the shadow and there's the peeling of the paint and there's also the, the fading of the colors and how fast a piece of clothes, for example, or the cushions on the chairs, they get faded. So they're on one side, they're like 
sort of like strong pink and then on the other side they're sort of pastel faded pink and so there's all this like tiny transformation that um, take place in that sort of in-between space that's a, a little bit of a, a limbo moment or, and how this moment gets imprint in the materiality of the metal, the wood, the clothes. And so thinking about all this, I thought that it could be interesting to work with the medium of photography and photogram more specifically. I mean, I studied photography at some point and I had a little bit of experience working in the photo lab, but that was long ago. So I had this desire to, to return to the darkness of the photo lab and see how I can work with light and um, light and shadows and, and the transformation of the, of the material of the, the photographic paper. The result of you going to the photo lab are these very beautiful ultramarine blue compositions. The edition consists of 12 motifs. Can you tell us something more about the final series? For me, it's quite a new way of, of working that's pretty abstract also, because my work is usually pretty much research-based and I spend a lot of time in, in a place, so thinking about questions, reading, etc. And so that was also sort of liberating for me to go to the lab and just also work formally. And so from that balustrade, I didn't use the original balustrade to create the photograms, but I first translated the original, I mean, I shouldn't say original, the original balustrade is that of my aunt's balcony, and then I created a replica of this in metal, and then this is, it's quite big, it's almost two meters long, and so I created a copy of that balustrade in smaller and in plexiglass, which is a a material that allows me to work with transparency and the variation of, of the intensity of light. And so with this plexiglass miniature of the balcony's replica, I um, started working with this idea of gradual shifting of the sun. But as you cannot change the, the, the source of light, I changed the orientation of the object itself. So it was almost like a choreography in the dark, sort of blindly uh, moving that object to create the sequence of, uh, of new shadows, if you want. And blue, I mean, the, the work is called uh, Sardeia uh, Blue, or Bleu in French. And her, the original balcony, has that color and the other balconies that I had presented originally in the installation were pink, yellow and white. And so I wanted to keep that color even though it's not exactly the same color. You also mentioned what you remember from your childhood, from the summer holidays. So your personal life is also a source of inspiration. Uh, can you tell us more about this interaction or the, the relation between your personal life and your artistic practice? I'm very interested in the, in the small things of life. 
or in the the everyday and um, and um, sort of the banalities and I'm not saying that in a in a bad sense but in the in the things that are maybe not um, given enough uh, attention and I'm also very interested in my own family and family history, um, maybe because it's such a complicated family. I guess it's also a way for me to to try to understand how how this family works. For me, families are super interesting in general. I'm always also very interested in other people's families and how family function or dysfunction usually. And I have a complicated relationship to my family. So I guess working, doing the, this kind, the kind of work I do is also a way for me to, I don't want to say therapy, but it's a way to try to deal with all these questions. And I can say I come from a family where uh, we don't really talk a lot, or we don't really ask a lot of questions, and we, especially not on things that, on the topics that you would want to know more, about and so it's a way to um, to work with this uh, heritage of secret if you want. Yeah, I'm currently working with my cousin Sahar Suleiman um, on a bigger uh, project that's a long time research that we started in 2015. It's called Saga, uh, Histoire de Famille, where we interviewed a lot of uh, people in Egypt about their families and about their life as a member of a family. And we gathered all these interviews to create a six fictionalized character to create a performance piece. So it's, it's often starting with the true biographical elements of someone, sometimes of myself, but then departing from that by shaking things up or by introducing fiction or by lying. I think the function of, of lie is also very interesting for me. That's a bigger piece of work that I'm dedicating time to at the moment. And particularly in Egypt, it's with this work, Saga. Understanding the family is also a way of understanding the society in Egypt, where the family is one of the pillars of the society, literally. So through this project, we try to look at the, at the way we can shift our gaze uh, from the public space, sometimes the over-mediatized public space, to the inter-domestic space, and see how little changes uh, inside families and inside um, the familiar place can contribute to a bigger revolution. After your studies of photography at the Ecole in Lausanne, you studied anthropology and are now working on a PhD in this field. Um, how do you integrate the anthropological approach in your work? I studied photography at Ecole and actually I started with uh, industrial design uh, before shifting to photography. So I started with objects and then going to images. I felt that I needed to, um, to spend more time with theory also and to learn new methodological approaches. And so I studied uh, social anthropology, first in, in Bern, um, and I studied Middle Eastern 
studies as well. But the alliance between art and anthropology is not a new one. In, in, since the 1980s in anthropology and the ethnographic turn and the crisis of representation, where anthropologists started to ask themselves questions of reflexivity and authorship and how you produce knowledge about other people and who you are to do this and where do you write from. And then in the 1990s, the sort of ethnographic turn as it was described by Hal Foster, for example. So the two disciplines have a longer common history. And there's a long history as well of visual anthropology, of sensory ethnography, etc. And so for me, that was sort of, I sort of chose that discipline because it has, it's also, it also shared common themes or methods or practices or even modes of representation so I could sort of relate to so for me it was really more a way of of acquiring new methodologies and skills to develop my practice as an artist and today there's a strong emphasis on uh, transdisciplinarity and interdisciplinarity and and schools are creating new studies or creating new curriculum and and so I think that's super important and even urgent, but I also believe that rather than creating new categories with new labels, it would be maybe more interesting to, um, to disrupt the categories and to, um, to be more undisciplined. I think that disrupting the categories instead of creating new ones, allows us to be more free or more experimental in the way we think about the world. Thank you, Noah, for giving us an insight into your practice. And thank you to our audience for listening to our podcast today. The exhibition on thresholds and boundaries, featuring the series Saadea Bleu, is on show at Edition VFO from February 10th through May 11th 2024. For more information about the exhibition and Noah Mokhtar's edition, please visit our website vfo.ch. We will be happy to welcome you in our premises and if you tune in to our next podcast. Thank you. <laughs>